Oh. Sounds good. Okay. No. Oh. There's more. Oh, no, I'll play it. Okay. Oh, you're doing a check. Okay. <laughs> and you see you're not funny. You're hilarious, Valerie. <laughs> the freak out. Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. We bring you articles and podcasts featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. Started in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. I love Austin comedy so much, and I believe in it so much, and I just feel like... The thing about comedy is if you have some conviction, it goes a long way. No, I mean, I don't know. I always love laughing. My dad is a great storyteller, and that's, I think, part of the influence was my father's. He's he's really funny, and he's a brilliant what would I do other yeah. than be a yeah. stand-up comedian? Yeah. Like, I was always the class clown, but I wasn't ever trying to be. Like, I would just say stuff and just people would just crack up. And, uh, See, I want the audience to love me, but I don't want to be a clown for them. I want them to love me for uh, my own, uh, for, for what I'm doing on my own terms. No, I, did, I didn't choose being a comedian. It's it's weird. It's like being a comedian kind of chose me. I'm, I'm needy. I know I'm needy. <laughs> but like I need stand up like I need people like mm. it's I cannot imagine not doing this Hi everyone welcome to Comedy Wearing Presents Live. This is our second year at Lysistrata Festival, and I'm so excited that you came here so you could learn more about Stephanie Ray and learn more about Maxie, whose name I'm going to butcher now, Wittrack. Good job! Woo-hoo. Comedy Wearing Presents, we've been podcasting since 2016. I think I'm about to cross my 250th interview with a comic from... From Austin, Texas, to Kuala Lumpur, to Australia, F- festivals like this, getting to talk to people. I am not a comic, but I am intellectually curious about comics. And I'm in- I am so intrigued by their lives off stage just as much as I am intrigued about their lives on stage. And so hopefully tonight we'll learn a little bit more about what makes Stephanie and Maxie uh, tick. And I'm going to read intros, because I do, if anybody has done my podcast before, I know simply you have, you didn't see all the paper that I had for my research. (laughs) Uh, There was a lot of paper. Okay, let me do my first introduction. Uh, She is one of your headliners for the festival. She is a graduate of Howard University. She got a law degree from Georgetown. She used these accomplishments to not only become a community organizer, but she wrote a show called Law and Disorder. Please hold. Oh, yeah, I don't think it is either. That's why I'm just yelling a lot. Well, it, it was tested before, so just whatever. I'll, I'll just yell. Okay, so apparently I can't work my app, but I have been hanging on to a Law and Order Dun Dun app forever. <laughs> and so just imagine the Dun Dun. And I'm just going to 
do the dun-dun throughout the show. Uh, she's played with comedy sports and the Groundlings. She's taught improvisers across the country and the world. She's headlining tonight's Untamed Women of Improv, and she's leading tomorrow's workshop on the power of specificity. And Comedy Wham presents our first guest, Stephanie Ray. Thank you. Your other headliner for the festival graduated. These are these are very smart women, which you know aren't. That's amazing. She is. A, she graduated from John Hopkins University, but she's not a doctor because that's what I associate John Hopkins with. And then she got an MFA in acting. Uh, she's got incredible posture because she is a world-class equestrian. And she is originally from Seattle. She performs regularly at the Hollywood Improv and the Comedy Store. And guess what? She's also a drummer for a, her all-female band, Max and, oh, I'm getting this one. No, Max and Mickey. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <All right. laughs> she did an amazing job headlining last night's Funny But Make It Fashion. And uh, please welcome our second guest, Maxie Wittrek. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, thank you for agreeing. Yes, please fight over it. No. <laughs> We've talked about there's going to be a fight on stage fight. at some point. All right, well, I'm going to kick off. Uh, this is my signature question to kick off. Tell me one word to describe your past. <laughs> Roller coaster. Volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, uh, I want each of you to answer this question, and, and Maxie, if you want to tr answer first, uh, tell me about the first time you remember trying to be funny on stage. Oh God, uh, um, <clears throat> I thought I had a very well thought out premise on why white women should get to wear cornrows. Ouch. <laughs> and I say that oh. knowing exactly what room I'm in, and I confess it, and uh, that is the beauty of um, safe spaces for learning how to do comedy and um, get better and also get feedback that that is not cool so that you can get better and giving people the space to be better. Fair enough. Yeah. I feel like... <laughs> My first time trying to be funny on stage was probably when I started taking improv classes in law school, but I used to do an Urkel impression at family <laughs> reunions a lot, so I don't know if that counts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, when I you thought Stephanie's is funny and mine's about white guilt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Stephanie. When you were growing up, you wanted to be a lawyer. Yes. And what happened is the follow-up question, I guess. Um, yes, so I got into law school and realized that the type of law I would have made a lot of money doing made me miserable, mm -hmm. and the type of law I really enjoyed, I was going to be poor forever. Um, and I just eventually, I guess, decided if I'm going to be poor, I can at least have a lot of fun doing <laughs> comedy. Uh, so that, that in sum was kind of the, the shift. It was a long, winding road to get here, but just discovering that I needed to find a balance of passion and also 
you know, my landlord not accepting tales of adventure for payment, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've talked to so many people, and they, they make kind of that devil's choice where, yeah, I could pursue the high-paid career, or I could be happy doing something. All right, so, Maxie, why did you want to be a lawyer? I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't. Did you? I, I did not. You spent a lot of time on horses. I did. Uh, I trained really hard in, uh, in horses growing up, and I thought I was going to be a horse trainer because, weirdly enough, I thought I was like this horse whisperer savant. Mm. And um, <laughs> turns out it's a lot of customer service in the horse industry. Mm. And if you've watched any Real Housewives of Anywhere, it's kind of like that. It's a lot of uh, rich people throwing money around and kind of being shitty to each other. Not all the time. There were some great people, wonderful people, but I just thought... Uh, uh, I didn't love it enough to put up with that, or at least get enough of the parts that I loved out of it for it to balance out the parts I didn't like. So I thought I had just had to start looking for something else that I wanted to do. Hmm. Uh, one of the perceptions that I have, because I'm not educated, is that to be an equestrian, to do the dressage, that's the only word that I know besides horse, is, <laughs> is you have to be pretty buttoned up. And here you are performing all over the world as a stand-up comic. How hard were you fighting that that want of getting the, you know, gregarious performer? Oh yeah, uh, you know what I. I th- I think I gravitated towards it because yes, while there does seem to be a certain regalness about certain certain um, disciplines in horseback riding, uh, or at least a very long cultured tradition of being old-fashioned and upright, uh, there's still a performance aspect to all of it. You're being judged, and you're putting on a show for the people in the stands and for the judges, and trying to uh, out, trying to trying to outperform everybody. So in that sense, I already knew that I really loved the pressure of having all eyes on me and wanting to bring the flair out and really impress someone and just get my adrenaline going. So for me, it was a kind of a similar environment to be in. Yeah. Okay. Now, Stephanie, I'm going to show my ignorance, uh, bear that to you. I have known several Howard University graduates, and they are very strong, confident people. They love celebrating being Howard uh, alum, and I think a lot of us in 2020 saw Kamala Harris's uh, video where they're celebrating. I don't know if she was celebrating the sorority or just being a Howard grad. She probably was shouting at her sorority, yeah. Okay, so uh, the ignorance that I have is, all right, so I already assumed you were very comfortable on stage, and you weren't trying to button anything up growing up. No. (laughs) Should have buttoned up a little more, probably. (laughs) Uh, Then you you go the route of law school. I'm sorry to obsess about this. Um, And I am very, again, very curious, what kind of law were you going to pursue? I said I was going to be the female Johnny Cochran, um, so I thought about criminal defense. Actually, it's so funny you keep referencing law and order, because that's what got me into law school. I was like, it's going to be just like television. It was not. Um, so I, I, I ended up here. I, I lost the end of the follow-up. What was the rest of it? 
Oh. I don't remember either. Cool. Then, yeah. oh, no, we're, yeah, Howard. Um, people from Howard are notoriously obnoxious about it. <laughs> I am totally one of them, obsessed with my alma mater. Um, so, yeah, we're very proud of our VP. And you took an improv class while in law school or while at Howard? While in law school. It was okay. my third year of law school. It was kind of an accident. They had a silent auction to raise money for social justice programs. And I'm cheap and I like things also. So <laughs> I bid the minimum on everything that had no bids and no one bid, no one else bid on the certificate for a class at the Washington Improv Theater. So I got it for like 10 bucks instead of 250. And I was like, sure, I'll show up. Why not? Uh, and then after days of reading hundreds of pages of case law, I'd go to this room and be like, we're teenage cats. And it was just a really wonderful shift of energy, and I fell in love with it. Very cool, very cool. Maxie, do you remember what brought you to the stage for the first time? And you, you've got an interesting background, because you, you went to a graduate school to get an MFA, so you are like, you're already in, you're committed, but was was that specifically driven by wanting to be a stand-up or actress? So um, I had, you're right, always had to live kind of a buttoned-up, proper kid life. And so coming to Hopkins, my outlet was I fell into this sketch comedy group and did that for the first time. And that was my first time getting to do anything zany and be a theater kid. I hadn't had time in high school. I was training so often and missing school for the horses. So um, they opened my eyes to like even getting to be open and free and have fun on stage. And it wasn't until... Um, some stuff blew up with my family right as I was graduating and I still didn't know what I wanted to do that I was like, screw it, I've always wanted to try acting. So I went to acting school and it wasn't until several years into the acting journey that um, that I started stand-up. So it's been a convoluted path, but uh, that first sketch group is what I really owe it all to. Very cool, very cool. All right, we're gonna take a little break and do that card. So. Uh, I don't run Comedy Wham by myself. There's a whole website behind it. And Richard, our, my partner, he got me this cool card game. If you ever want to have open-ended conversations, it's called Where Do We Begin? And I've given Stephanie and Maxie a card. And Stephanie, you're going to read Maxie's question to her, and she's going to answer, and we're going to get deep. We're going to get deep. So whatever's off the top of your head. So go for it. Read The card I have or the card she has? No, I gave you her card that she picked. Ah. You're going to read it. She's going to answer. Okay. I felt lonely when... Sorry, I finished the sentence. Uh-huh. Felt past tense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I felt lonely when I was leaving college, and I um, had no real mentors for where to go next, so I threw myself into this MFA program for acting because... All I knew was how to do school. That was my first clue of like where to go, and it was probably the wrong move to spend a lot of money on a master's degree in acting. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever use it, but my my <laughs> thought was like, oh well, okay, at least I can teach if I ever don't use this by like actually making it as an actor, which 
doesn't really make sense, <laughs> um, but explains why there's a lot of acting teachers in Hollywood. And I uh, felt really lonely because I came from this like super competitive school into suddenly this artsy world of like kids fresh out of high school where the masters was also combined kind of with their bachelors. So I was with kids having their college experience feeling like the old lady Meanwhile, I was also the young person in in broader sense trying to figure out what the hell I was doing next. I was in New York. I was by myself. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like randomly going down this path that thankfully my dad had helped support, but like I didn't know if I was making the right choice for me or in general, and I was just kind of blindly going through the motions of this program to see where it would lead me, and um, yeah, I felt really lonely then. And what, what, what turned? When did that change? You're in comedy mecca by being in New York, in acting mecca. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think my competitive streak finally kicked in where, uh, so the program did a year in New York, a year in LA, so I ended up in LA, and just being around other people trying for the same thing, instead of being like a community and trying to help each other, I really was in the mindset of like, all right, Max, you pick yourself up and like get to work, be on your mission, you can make it, you can make something of yourself. And so even though that wasn't like the most like, <sighs> Even though that wasn't probably a good way to be in life in general, of being so single-mindedly focused on myself, it at least gave me like the get up and go to try, and I had kind of given up prior to that. So uh, I forget. Oh yeah, the turning point. The turning point was just like trying to make myself more and more competitive in the acting game, and by adding value to myself, I started feeling more worthwhile, and then I started making things of my own, making short films, then I started comedy, and like the more I gave myself value, the more I felt I had value, and then I just felt better and better. And then as you talked about in the panel just a, a bit ago, then you found balance, so that you, you know, like the horses with the little things on the side. Yeah, with the blinders on. Yeah, I'm not looking at the ones around me anymore. I'm just yeah. looking at what can Maxi do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what can I do for myself that I have control over even in an industry and in, in town where there's so little control. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Maxi, you're going to read right. Stephanie's opening. Stephanie, the most unexpected compliment I've ever received. Oh, boy. I mean, honestly, I expect compliments. <laughs> so um, this is tough. Um, gee, okay, the most unexpected compliment I've ever received. It's rare that my mind is blank. Um, oh, okay, here's, so a boy I like um, recently told me that my face was perfect. And... He's not normally super verbally a man. He's a man, but I'm <laughs> I'm a 16-year-old girl inside in my heart, so like they're all still boys to me. Um, yeah, and he's not normally super verbally effusive, so that was like, oh my gosh, you like actually like me. <laughs> I thought your story was so deep. Mine is like <laughs> service shallow, uh, but that is what came to mind. Yeah. Okay, so everyone, after uh, the live podcast, make sure that you give her a lot of compliments. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's my love language. Please. <laughs> but it doesn't have to always be about the outer beauty it that can. you see. Oh, it can. Oh, it can. Okay. okay. All right. I'm sorry. Trying not to objectify you here. Objectify me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Actually, no. Yeah, here's a good one. Someone came up to me. 
a festival last week and was like, hey, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I was like, no, be disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> okay, uh, it's my turn. They're All not right. going to be funny. My answer is not going to be funny and it's not going to be deep. Okay. Ooh. Oh, am I... a lie I'm tempted to tell about myself. Yes, that I am not scared shitless right now oh. talking to these amazing women. Uh, yeah, no, I, I have to run on adrenaline because I recognize I'm not a comic. I just, I'm very curious about comedians. And when I get to talk to people who are really accomplished, you know, I'm, I'm a mathematician. That's what I'm really good at. But uh, yes, I'm very scared right now. Can I just add, I think it's lovely that you're not a comedian because comedians and improvisers doing interviews with other comedians and improvisers, like we can find a bit and now the yeah. whole thing is a bit yeah. for the yeah. next 40 minutes. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. So thank you for humoring me with, with the card game. We are, this is, all, this is going to just turn into kitsch at this point. So I've just started launching a new segment called and I wish Rochelle was here, but you are, you are a freestyler, so you're going to help me create the soundbite for this new segment called... Cool. Question... Okay, <laughs> so the new segment is called Questions My Son Has. Can we say this together? The new segment is called Questions My Son Has. All right, so I was giving him a quick rundown. This is a 16-year-old junior. He doesn't care about anything I do. But I gave him the bio, and I said, I'm really nervous. I don't know a lot about these, these performers. So, Stephanie, his question for you is, how do you go from Georgetown University alumni to improv teacher? Right. Uh, you fall in love with improv in law school, do it as a hobby, go into legal research, and then youth ministry, and then become a college professor, and then start a tutoring company. And then during the pandemic, you're like, hey, I'm going to lean into this improv thing more. And people start throwing money at you to do it. And you're like, I'll take that. This is really fun. And you quit other things and keep doing that. Perfect. Yeah. You've answered it. All right. Maxie, your question, these are his words, verbatim, okay? Uh-oh. How does riding horses as a sport happen? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Uh, <laughs> uh, you mean, is it uh, athletically challenging? Um, I don't know. I like, I like sports where you chase the ball. You know, like, I'm a soccer girl, but I also like a sport where um, the ball could kick you in the head. Uh, <laughs> I think there's something exciting about that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for humoring me for questions my son has. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great segment. All right, we'll be bringing it back. All right. Um, I know you've kind of, Stephanie, you've, you've, you've answered various forms of this question, but I want to know what did improv bring out for you that a law degree couldn't? The ability to let go 
it is so weird that I do improv and people <laughs> who've known me a long time are always very confused because I'm super type A. Your girl loves a plan. I love to know what's going to happen. Improv is the only space where I allow life to unfold without me knowing what comes next. Yeah, yeah. And how, how did you find yourself pivoting from improv performer and player to becoming a teacher and then the launch of, I know you've, you've talked about it, but I want everyone here to have an opportunity to hear it, um, how you found Black Improv Alliance. Sure. So. I was a college professor for a while before I started teaching improv, and I just realized that I was really, I've, I've always been very good at taking large amounts of complex information and breaking them down in a way that makes them more accessible to big groups of people. And I had gone to a lot of improv classes and was like, mm, I could do this better. Um, <laughs> and I know that, that sounds obnoxious, but specifically with like, let, let me be more, more clear and specific about what I mean. I've been in a lot of spaces where improv teachers were not in control of the room in such a way that it created a really terrible space for non-white, non-straight, non-men people. And that specifically was something that I was like, I can do that better. I can create a space where I'm teaching this material and people don't leave feeling worse than they came and paid to feel bad. Um, so that was one of the reasons I felt really called to teach, to be a black woman in those spaces, creating the spaces that I wanted to be in. And that is why I created the Black Improv Alliance. It came from having a terrible experience where I did not have a support system. I didn't have people to talk to about what I was going through and realizing that I was going to have to find and pull those people together myself. Very cool. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have an instance of a time where you landed a, a gig through Black Improv Alliance where after you hung up with the phone or after you finished reading the email, you like stood up, shouted, screamed, and like, this is it. I found my calling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Our, our first big corporate workshop was with YouTube, who Ooh. Googled. It was, uh, yeah, it was... Um, a black man that was in charge of making the gig happen and said, we, you know, looked at this, this, this big improv company, but I was like, no, I really want to give this business to a black person. And we Googled black improv and we found y'all. And, you know, is this the sort of thing you do? And at that point, I knew I could do it. I had not done a corporate improv mm -hmm. workshop before that. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No problem all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, called a couple of my friends who were really deeply involved in that work that walked me through, here's some of the things you need to do. Here's some examples of the paperwork and did it. And it went great. And uh, since then, have you know used that and other things we've done as a launching pad to do more. Awesome. Yeah, yeah sometimes you have to peacock a little bit, you know? And along the way, there's no's, but then there's a big old yes. Actually, like and I, I would say probably New York Comic Con was, was the mm. other really, really big, big one. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Maxie, I'm going to hit you with some questions. Sweet. You're a drummer in a band. You're stand-up. You're a, an actress. Is there anything that you don't do? <laughs> Uh, I've actually been paring down doing less and less uh, because there's so many things I want to do and that's why I wanted to be an actor to begin with. I just wanted to experience everything in my lifetime and I just don't have the time and like I still like I, I wake up with weird dreams about like 
soccer or <laughs> surfing or horses or all the things I haven't had time to do in in so long that I used, that I love to do, but it's like you can only do so much. I don't know who was has said you can ha- you can have it all, just not all at once, and that has been very true. And I'm trying to do less and do less and do less but better. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give our, our audience an example of where you think you've conscientiously pulled back, done less, and it has made you a happier person because you were able to focus on the one thing while paring back on some of the others? Yeah, actually, uh, a couple months ago, so I had been kind of hanging on by a thread with my bandmate. Uh, I love hanging with her and m- arranging music, and um, I love getting to do more creative things so having to tell her I need an actual break from the band a couple months ago was one of the harder decisions I'd come to because we were at a place where we could just kind of string it out and and spread myself thin and keep limping along but I just thought it was so much better to take a clean break and I've been so much less stressed knowing that I'm not letting someone else down or even though she never expressed that um, that was me just needing to like take control of the situation and not be so passive about it and really say like okay no it's better for my mind if I actively take a break from the band rather than doing a little here and there and still feeling that little hint of low level stress all along because of it I'm going to ask you a question that I should never ask, but I'm going to because it's like asking who's your favorite child. Of the mediums that you perform in, which one's your favorite? You know, they all are complementary, and so I get different things from them. Whenever I'm doing one is the one I love the most, but they each give me something different. Whenever I'm acting, I'm like, oh, thank God someone else wrote the lines for me. This is such a nice break. And then whenever I'm doing stand-up, I'm like, oh, I get all the credit and all the glory because this is just me. But there's no one with a water and um, and and to like give me a five-minute break right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Very cool. Um, I was... I was checking out your Instagram. You have a pretty big show on Tuesday at the Hollywood Improv. I think you may have seen one of my pinned posts of a previous oh, improv show. Okay. How long ago? I was like, was shit! <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get back! <laughs> Great, thanks for the heart attack. Okay, I don't well, already second guess my scheduling skills. Huh. How long ago was that show? Um, and nobody knows what I'm talking about at this point. So I've been really lucky this year to do a lot of shows at the Hollywood Improv, and a lot of, like, the top headliners will do 15 minutes, 10 minutes, so it's, like, a who's who of, like, your favorite comedians who tour stadiums, and, like, they drop in and do a couple minutes, so it's really, like, a... It's it's just like a fun um, trailer after trailer of Oscars nominees, kind of yeah. like just <laughs> the heavy hitters, and so it's really cool to be just around them physically in person. Be like, oh, you're a real person. You're not just a, a robot that uh, <laughs> you were just made up. <laughs> Do you get starstruck by by being on stages with some of these comics? Uh, I get. I've only gotten starstruck by a few of them because, like, uh, like David Spade, I watched growing up, you know, and all the a- Adam Sandler and Chris Chris Farley, and like, for me, that's cooler because it brings out my little kid rather than the people that I really respect and admire now as an adult comedian, because I've been following yeah. them as 
as an adult individual, uh, it's the ones that tap into my inner child that get me. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, I have a question for you. Uh, one of the things that you do is you have programs that are focused for teens as well as adults, and you've just heard the, the, the deep intellect of a 16-year-old through my questions that my son has segment. How do you connect to teenagers through improv? Um, I actually really like working with teenagers because internally, in a lot of ways, I still feel like one. <laughs> um, so I think for me, it's really just about respecting their autonomy and their opinions in the same way that I would in an adult class. Hmm. And I'll ask a similar question. Do you get starstruck by people that you get to share a stage with? Um, not not anyone I've been able to share a stage with mm. yet. Some people I've been in spaces with. I was at a work party where Lin-Manuel Miranda was in attendance and I was like, oh God, Ooh. this is the room where it happened. <laughs> I almost died. Um, so I just stayed on the other side. I was like, if we get close to each other, I'm gonna lose my shit. He's gonna think I'm so weird. So I just stared from across the room. Yeah. All right, uh, I have no idea how long we, I mean, I do see a clock. I know we're about to run out of time for our designated time, so I'm gonna start winding us down. Um, Stephanie, you can answer this one. Uh, given that you've kind of gotten, well, both of you have, have an unconventional path to where you are today, would you have changed anything? Um, yes, I probably, would not have gone to Georgetown, <laughs> which I've never admitted out loud before, because uh, I did it, so I like to be proud of it. It has been helpful in that it's shorthand for I'm very smart, so you should let me do what I want, but also student loans. I did the equivalent of driving a BMW off a cliff every year for three years, and I am still literally paying that price. So I don't know that I would have done that if I knew I was not going to use the law degree other than to sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maxie, would you have changed anything? Uh, no, even looking back at all the stupid, silly mistakes <laughs> I made in L.A. or starting out, like I've learned from every single thing I've tried and done or failed at. So, yeah, it's all added to where I am now. Yeah. And what is your proudest moment as a performer? Let's celebrate something that that you're proud of? You'll both answer the question. Know, so. you <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's, here's one. I love a form of theater called play, playback theater that is kind of like improv, but almost therapeutic. You get personal stories from the audience and then the performers highlight parts of them, even sort of replay them sometimes. And I formed a team online of black improvisers doing this because I had seen some other groups do it and was like, oh, I really want to experience this with black people. Um, and then one of the people who was in that group took what we learned there and formed an in-person group in Minnesota and I was able to go to that show and see that group play and get one of my stories played back. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to get to be an audience member with a group of black people doing this and because I planted that seed, I was able to have that experience. So that Very was really cool. cool. Um, 
thank you because that <laughs> sparked a reminder in me. Um, I did have a moment recently where I remembered that something had been a goal of mine only after having achieved it. I started teaching stand up at a local comedy club um, through the encouragement of a friend, and I I felt like a total imposter. And he encouraged me, encouraged me, and then leading these leading I say kids, but they're full grown adults, um, teaching them and answering their questions and being able to loan any experience from my mistakes to give them some guidance. Uh, I, it was just after a class wrapped that I was like, oh my God, I did always hope that I could be a mentor or role model in some some sense. So I'm glad I finally got good enough at something to be able to pass anything on. And that felt really good. That's awesome. That's very Thanks. awesome. Let's celebrate. All right. Uh, if we have any audience questions, uh, we could take a couple of them. That way, I'm not the only one asking a question. I know you can boom your voice. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's another proud moment. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know how I didn't think of that, um, but our scholarship program is one of the things I'm proudest of for sure. Uh, when the pandemic hit and lots of theaters were doing classes online so you could be in the middle of a small town in Kansas and take a class with a theater in Austin or New York or LA, yeah, or, or London. Um, what I did was, with Google Sheets and my brain <laughs> and my laptop, create a scholarship program and put it out there that was happening and tell theaters basically, you need to offer free classes to black people because you want black people in your theaters and they're not gonna come unless you have some black people, so they need mm -hmm. to be free. And, and you don't need to be asking about their financial situation because black people, black people who come into your theater to pioneer, to be the first, to be the only, are doing you a favor. And also they shouldn't have to be the only, so you should offer them in small groups of three to five people. And theaters were like, all right, black people are getting murdered on the news. Like, this is a really bad, okay, yes, we're just whatever you need. Yes, we're going to do it. Um, so we leaned into that that moment of people being cooperative and we're able to create scholarships at theaters around the world. And I love hearing stories nice. like Anna's Very nice. of, of Very nice. that happening. Yeah. All right. I have a closing question. Yeah. One word to describe your future. <laughs> Unwritten. Ooh. So white. <laughs> but you've come a long way. You've come a long way. Epic. Ooh. Yes. Claiming it. Yes. All right. Well, 
that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Stephanie Ray, Maxie Wittrack, tell us where people can find you and promote your favorite projects. Cool. Uh, you can find me personal Instagram and Facebook, Word Nerd Steph. Instagram is easier. Facebook, I don't check my requests. Uh, but at Word Nerd Steph, and that has all these other links, but I'll say real quickly, blackandpremalliance.com and on all the socials. Uh, also, New Blurred Order uh, is where I talk black nerdy things. Um, and, oh, Freestyle Plus also. These are all in my Instagram bio. And you have a, a show tonight. Oh, yeah. And I'm so bad at self-promo. <laughs> uh, I am in the 830 set tonight at the Lisa Strata Comedy Festival right here at Cold Town. Um, and later this summer, I'm going to be in the Hideouts 48-hour Improvathon <gasps> doing 48 straight hours of improv. I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, come laugh. Come cry. <laughs> come support. Yeah, please. It's yeah. awesome. All right. And Maxie. Um, follow me on Instagram at MadMaxi, M-A-D-D-M-A-X-I. I got a, I got a, a web series on YouTube called Train Tracks with Maxi Wittrack, if you follow me on YouTube. And stay tuned, I've got a book coming out later this year. <laughs> and we know that not everybody listens to a podcast, so on ComedyWham.com, you'll be able to read the write-up that we do of our interview, our podcast episode today at ComedyWham.com. You can follow us on all the social media. I'm super meowy if you want personal stuff. I had to create an Insta account for my cat. It's Miss Purry ATX, if you want. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You, you put it there. <laughs> I know, I did. If you want to support our podcast, PayPal, Venmo, I hope you have enjoyed learning about the comedic geniuses, Stephanie Ray, Maxie Wittrack today, just as much as I have. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Stephanie, and thank you, Maxie. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you guys for sticking around. <laughs> <laughs>